Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Uh, listen, normally we would uh, do a little intro, me and Alan, then get right over to a guest. But today we, we're, we're just going to focus on Eddie Van Halen. You know, the rock world has lost one of his greatest contributors, greatest heroes, greatest players, greatest showmen. I mean, all uh, the words just go on and on. Um, Alan, just, just let me start with, with you. In terms of somebody who was in management and had a, a guitar hero in Mark Kendall and Slash, and, you know, in a sense, you, you were competing for the marketplace at the time. What was it about Eddie? What, what did you notice about him? What, what did you learn from him and go, ooh, I think my guys need to do that? Um, what did Eddie mean in your world? Well, first of all, I, I never really felt competitive with Van Halen. Because for me, Van Halen were already established. I mean, that, that first album that came out in the late 70s, I thought was really exciting, had great energy, and was just a great rock and roll album, and definitely made a huge impression on everybody. So I never really felt competitive with him. Um, you know, obviously, when something like this happens, the emails start going, the texts start going and so on and so forth. And, you know, there are one or two people who want to call and talk and can talk about him. And I'm, I'm not sure, you know, how much I enjoy doing that anymore. I mean, people seem to be passing very quickly these days. But one of the thoughts that ran through my mind when I was thinking about Van Halen and thinking about Eddie was that I think people miss that Van Halen formed in 1972. And they did not put a record out until, correct me if I'm wrong, 1977. And the thought that came back to my mind was, wow, I have to remember this because many times I'm asked, you know, what does a band need to do to get noticed and so on and so forth. And time and again, I have, have to go back to spend time together. It takes time to become a band. And there is one example I'd forgotten about in my consciousness, that Van Halen were together for five years before they got their break. Uh, and I believe they got their break at the Starwood opening for George Lynch one night. Um, and Warner Brothers were actually down to see Lynch and saw the opening band and said, hello, what's this? Um, so yeah, It's funny because uh, I was talking to Bobby Blotzer about all of this the other day, and he was there. He, he, he was saying, I was there at the Starwood that night. I was playing with George, or I had played there with George, and the, 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 the band came in and we thought, well, okay, well, there's Jim Dandy on vocals, and... And the drummer, you know, with his drum risers made out of milk, uh, milk crates. And, and everybody said, you know what? Then we heard Eddie play. And we just went, oh, we're in trouble. This band is yes. going, you know? Were, were you, you weren't in the States in the 70s. So you never saw any of that early stuff, though, did you? I first came to America in, in January of 1977. And I was living out of a suitcase working for Virgin in those days. Um, so I was aware of what was on the radio. I was aware of new releases. Um, I was aware of what people were talking about, but I didn't get the opportunity to see Van Halen in those early days. 
and um, you know my my path crossed with uh, DLR a few times, um, but I didn't get to see them at that point. But my point still stands. Is one of the reasons why Van Halen were a great band was because they were a band who found their chemistry and spent five years working backyard parties and Starwood style gigs before they got signed. And I think there's a great lesson there that if, if you've got a band and you're wondering, you know, how long does it take? It can take time. I think most people think Van Halen came out of nowhere instantly. Nah, they spent time forming what their character and, and their musical chemistry. Um, you know, and you know I'm a bit of a contrarian. I mean, my favorite Van Halen track is Panama, and it's my favorite track because of the way Alex plays on that track. Um, to me, Panama is all about Alex. But then good and great drummers make for good and great guitar players because they drive them. Um, and I'll tell you, you know, being a contrarian, another thing about Eddie Van Halen, they all talk about his soloing. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, what do you say? Um, Eruption has been played in Guitar Center somewhere right now, even as we sit talking. Um, but the other thing that I really liked about Eddie was his phrasing of his rhythm playing. And I don't think people acknowledge that enough. I, I, I love the way he played rhythm guitar. I really did. You know, he, he played with a slash and a verb and an excitement and driven by his brother and voila, you, you, you've got some terrific rock and roll. Terrific rock and roll. Now, the other thing about spending time together uh, for five years, because a lot of bands don't do that, is they spent that, some of that time playing uh, Kiss covers at their show. So that's another part of the magic sauce, I think. Well, that will probably explain why it took five years instead of two and a half. But uh, <laughs> oh, I see. I they knew might, they, they, they might have been snapped up earlier if they if they hadn't been playing a party all night or whatever that dreadful thing. Is. <laughs> but um, they were covering some Kiss but, and some Aerosmith. But you know, the other thing I want to say about this is, for the last sort of five years, fans have gotten on the internet in this position of know it all, and they're like. Eddie should just get Michael back and they should just get this and, you know, F these guys for not. And, you know, fans need to sometimes step back and realize that, A, you don't own these artists and, and, and B, you know, sometimes they're, they're stepping away from the spotlight not because they hate the other guy or there's a management issue. Sometimes there's real life issues like this one and... You, you know, for all those people that sat there and bitched and moaned about they should do this, and like, like you know better, right? Uh, it, it's like, you know, stop it. Let, let these artists have a private life. Let them step out of the limelight once in a while. And, you know, when we got the news and when I got the news, I got a call from, from my buddy Jeremy White. And he said, dude, Eddie Van Halen's dead. And I went, oh, stop it. No, he's not. Uh, and then I went and looked um, and I saw Wolfie's post and I went, Ah, okay. Wolfie wouldn't be kidding about this. And and then that shock hits you. Well, <laughs> for me it was for me it wasn't a shock because um being connected to, you know, certain lines of communication and conversation, 
I knew that Eddie had been really struggling with this illness for a long time, been very brave, kept his spirit about him, kept his good soul. Um, it wasn't that much of a shock. In fact, I rather thought that he, he was going to go earlier this year. Um, there was a moment when uh, it seemed like he wasn't doing so well. And then, of course, you know, the weekend before last, you know, his, his body just gave up. Um, so it, it wasn't that much of a shock, you know. And in terms of people saying this, that and the other, I mean, you know, we all know the Internet is overpopulated by morons um, who, who just love to spout off because it makes them feel, feel relevant at the moment. But, you know, one of the things this last week that warmed me was the fact that Wolfie had the chance to play with his dad and that they played together and thoroughly enjoyed playing together and played well together. And that's a beautiful memory that Wolfie is going to have for the rest of his life. And a moment of magic between father and son, a very rare kind of magic between father and son. And that, was, that, that really warmed my heart to think about that and to think that, you know, they'd had that time together. Same with me, and and I and I've seen online uh, over the years, and and recently, of course, uh, pictures of Wolf and Ed on stage. You know, uh, Dad rubbing his head, and and you, you know, you remember the old Mastercard commercials with you know this cost this much, this cost this much, and then priceless. I mean, that those are priceless totally. memories. You know, you cannot totally, totally priceless. Oh, yeah. But I don't know if you're I don't know if you're aware of this, but talking about the. Uh, um, magical, mystical, magnificent kiss. My God, that was difficult to say. Um, you, may, you may be aware or you may not be aware that there was a time when talking about holding bands together, that there was a time apparently when Eddie was so frustrated. And I think this would have been 1983, somewhere around there that he called um, Gene Simmons um, because, you know, he and Gene knew each other um, from the 70s and told Gene, Gene that he wanted to join KISS. <laughs> Did you know that? I, I had heard about that, but I'll say one thing about that. That probably wouldn't have worked out because I think some band members... Of course belong- not. No, of course not, because... You know, if you everybody uh, over the years, people always picked on C.C. Deville. Oh, Poison, C.C. Deville. He, you know, but if you put Eddie Van Halen in Poison, it's no longer Poison. It doesn't sound right. Or, or they say, oh, Peter Chris can't play drums. Imagine what Kiss would have been like with Neil Peart. It's like it would have been a mess because <laughs> Neil's not meant to play that kind of song. So well, sometimes great uh, players don't. You know, yes. I was just going to say, apparently Gene Simmons had the appropriate and accurate assessment at the time and looked at Eddie and said, you can't leave your band. It's called Van Halen. It is your band. And that's not just a matter of of possession and control. That's a matter of content and style because, you know, Van Halen without without Eddie, um, I don't know. You know, Alex, I think, is an, an, an 
incredibly underrated drummer in the shadow of his younger brother. And I think he deserves far more credit than he gets. But the absolute magic of Van Halen to me on my first impression was, yeah, the songs are good and, and, and the vocalist had an attitude. But my God, there was some fire coming off that fretboard on that first album that was just magical. You know, you talk about you can't imagine Van Halen without Eddie or, or the band, it's his name. I would like that the band continue, not as a band trying to make new music, but that Wolfie moves over to guitar, because apparently Wolfie's a great guitarist. They bring, by, bring back Michael Anthony, and, and they just do a tribute to Eddie. You know, get David and, 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 and Sammy, forget all this nonsense about we're better, I'm better, I'm bigger. I, just go out there and, and for the fans, and, and for the band also, just give it a closure where you come out and you say, an evening of celebrating Eddie Van Halen. You don't even have to call the band Van Halen. Just say, you know, Sammy Hager, David Lee Roth, Wolfgang Alex present an evening of celebrating Van, uh, Eddie Van Halen. And I think fans would love it. I know I would go. I know I would pay for it. I know a lot of crazies out there. I mean, fanatic, you know, fans, not not kooky people, but a lot of a lot of crazies who would who would probably go to 12, 14, 15 shows and follow it around the states and Europe and other places. And I think it'd be a nice way to sort of put a bow on it all and just say, hey, guys, you know, thank you, fans. And the fans show up and go, hey, thank you for, for coming to our city tonight to let us hear these songs and hear your speeches and hear your memories one last time. That would be a hell of a big ask of Wolfie. And uh, I think quite honestly, now they all just need to keep their own counsel and come to terms with, with the fact that they've got to grieve and deal with that. And, you know, who knows what they might think later, but uh, yeah, it was, you know, it, what 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 a splendid life! I mean, you know, obviously some people made comments to me about, you know, he was only sixty five and this, that, and the other. Um, but there's also a part part of my uh, consciousness where I I look at it and go, if you and I could talk to Eddie right now, he'd say, I would live my life over exactly the way it was if I could do it again and check out at sixty five again. Because, my God, what an amazing life he had and what an amazing mark he made. And, you know, people can piss and moan about, oh, this band's better than that and this guitar player's better than that. But at the end of the day, the broad stroke of the brush is he was a good soul with a, a good humor who put music into millions of people's lives. And what an amazing thing to do with your life's energy. Um, and for that, you can only take your hat off and light a candle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. And uh, I'll end on this. You know, growing up in the, the 70s and 80s, I, I would see my mom uh, react when Elvis died or when Frank Sinatra died or Dean Martin or Sammy Davis Jr. or all these other people, even John Lennon. And I, I I never really understood it. it. It was like, well, okay, they're they're gone and it's terrible and 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 I don't mean that facetiously. Please don't be insulted. Um, and you know, life goes on, but I never understood the impact. And and now I understand the impact because it, it occurs to me 
that I will never see Eddie play again. And when you lose that, you know, it's been 40 years of seeing Eddie play. And now when you you lose that, not only do you lose Eddie, you lose a part of yourself because you know that that 15-year-old kid in you that loved that first album or that second album or the, the, the you know, the Sammy Hagar years, well, that kid dies as well because you'll never have that night where you can go to the Staples Center or the Bell Center or the Madison Square Garden and go, you know what, for tonight, even though it's 20, uh, 2020 or 2021, I'm seeing Van Halen and I'm 15 years old again. And that's gone. And, and there's that moment that you just go, wow, I am getting old. It, it is. Life is moving on. And the, the next generation has their heroes. I, I, was, I was wondering if you were going to get there because that was what I was going to mention to you as well as part of the grieving process that we go through is actually selfish and personal because there's a dagger in the body of our youth at that moment that it makes us not just aware of our mortality, but it makes us aware of the fact that we're not 19 and 20 anymore in the, in the most emphatic and cruel way. Um, so there is a little bit of personal grieving in there too. There is. Um, with, you know, because, you know, in my mind, there are certain people who I don't want to know what their age is because in my mind, they are still 24, 27, 28, 29. And that's how they live in my memory. And that's how they live, live in my recall. And, uh, you know, it's, um, that's, that, that's part of what I think hits everybody when, somebody who has touched so many passes on. Um, but the other thing that I like to think of is the fact that I rather feel that it's unavoidable to uh, acknowledge that there's a spirit world all around us, that there's a thin veil between us and them, and in some ways, those who pass over, they're still with us. Oh yeah, yeah. We're we're I'm gonna we're we're, we're gonna hold on to that and and hold on to all the great memories and uh, you know it, it's it, it's it's a tough one. I mean, we're recording this you know three four days later and it just it's it's still unreal. I mean, at some point you you kind of hope that somebody you know posts, hey, we were just kidding. A farewell tour's coming next week, and you know it's not gonna happen. And it's mm. just it's just. It's just devastating, you know, and uh, I'll finish with this. For, for all the fans out there, when we talk about Kiss and replacement players and all, and all these other, just, just stop. Just go to the show and enjoy it because you can see how suddenly it all ends and the shows end. And there's, you know, from, from, from COVID to Eddie passing away and to other people passing away, you know, Prince and David Bowie and... One day it's there and the next day it's not. And instead of spending the time when it's there going, oh, I don't like this guy. Just go, hey, you know what? I have a chance to go see this band one more time. Let me just enjoy it. And just say thank you. You know, because they gave you 30 years of their lives. They gave you 40 years of their lives. And if you look at the Rolling Stones or Paul McCartney or even the, the Scorpions, they've given you almost 60 years of their lives. So just go. Say thank you. Stop bitching and moaning about this guy and that guy and he's better and just just go. 
and remember what it was like to be 18 and just enjoy it. And so uh, on that, uh, Eddie, um, I was truly blessed to be on this t on this earth when you were here and playing. Uh, growing up in the 80s and 90s uh, was a lot more fun with with Eddie Van Halen and with, uh, you know, Ozzy and with Kiss and with Ronnie James Dio and, and, and all those people. And so thank you. Last word, yeah, Alan? And, yeah, and also the music still lives. I mean, the first major blow to my psyche in that respect was when Jimi Hendrix passed. Um, that was stunning. Um, but, you know, when was the last time I played a Jimi Hendrix record? Last week, the music lives, the spirit lives, and amen and thank you to Eddie. Yeah, that's it, folks. Uh, so there you go. Uh, no guest this week. We're just uh, we're just remembering Eddie Van Halen, and uh, I think we can all agree that uh, our lives are all we're all enriched by having that little piece of magic in it. And so uh, there you go. Thank you, folks. Thank you, Alan. Always a pleasure. Donata. Merci.